Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. There's a stretch of Highway 101 between South San Francisco and Candlestick Park where the road gets very straight and runs right next to the bay. There's a big shoulder between the water and the road with no parking signs posted every 50 feet or so. Ira Doherty travels it every day on her commute. And despite those signs, she often sees cars parked there. And then I started kind of paying more attention. I realized that there were people out there fishing really frequently. So probably about... 25% of the time, uh, I see someone out there fishing, which is kind of a fun game I play with myself, just to, like, guess whether or not there might be people on the side of the road. She was puzzled. It's such a busy stretch of road. I was kind of really curious as to why anyone would decide that that was really the spot in the bay that they wanted to have a nice, relaxing fish. Today, we'll find out why some are willing to risk a parking ticket to fish at this spot. And then we'll meet people who love to fish and find out what they're catching around here. It's all things fishing today on Bay Curious. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Oh, and be sure to stick around after the episode for our monthly trivia contest. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Ira's question about fishing along 101 gave us the perfect opportunity to learn more about what types of seafood people are catching locally and why they love the sport. We'll start by investigating the odd and slightly dangerous parking pattern that Ira noticed, but we won't stop there. 
Bay Curious editor and producer Katrina Schwartz has been having way too much fun with this one. She's here to tell us all about it. Hi, Katrina. Hi, Olivia. So let's start out with the basics. What did you find out about that spot that Ira noticed? Well, we have some fishing experts right here at KQED. So my first reporting stop was to check in with one of our colleagues. Hello, my name's Anthony Spears, Sr., and I am the Facilities Services Supervisor at KQED. And you would love to fish, right? Oh, more than anything in the world, yes. Okay, so I'm talking to you because you are my friend that actually knows about fishing. And we got this question about fishing, like sort of right off 101 near the Candlestick exit near Brisbane. Why do people fish there? Well, that's referred to as the tubes. For years, we've fished there. uh, And it's because there's actually a tube that flows under the freeway. Water travels from the bay into a little... I don't know, a little cove on the opposite side as the tide changes. So as the tide's coming up, the water is flowing into the small pond on the other side. And then as the tide is going out, that same flow is going out into the bay. So some of the fish go into the like little lagoon and they maybe spawn or like have babies. And then those get like sucked out through the tube. Is that what happens? Yes, I'd imagine some of the smaller fish are on their way out. The larger fish are on the opposite side waiting, along with the fishermen. Okay, so when you're talking bigger fish, what are we talking about? What kind of things are you catching there? Well, there's a variety. You can catch striped bass, halibut. A lot of people go for the fun of catching stingray. Fishermen are so wily. It's like a whole food chain congregating there. Yeah, and I think really interesting that the fishermen are using all the knowledge they have about where fish breed and spawn to set themselves up for a big haul. So it sounds like the fishing is so good at this spot that people just don't care that there's an eight-lane highway behind them. But you think that they would care about getting a massive parking ticket. Right. Well, Anthony has this theory that during the coronavirus pandemic, the California Highway Patrol wasn't ticketing as much, which might be why Ira was noticing so many cars parked there. I obviously wanted to see this famed fishing spot myself, but I did not want a parking ticket. So I asked CHP to take me out there. All your phones? I met up with information officer Mark Andrews to first check out the protected lagoon that Anthony described and then to see the Bayside fishing spot. I'm just going to, I want to see the tubes. Oh, man, I've never noticed this before. You you wouldn't actually see them because, again, they run underneath the freeway. There are two tubes poking into the lagoon at the northern end. They're square and about eight feet across. I kind of grew up in this area, so I'm familiar with it. Um, I used to actually fish for crabs in this area when I was younger. So I've heard that there's a variety of different fish to be caught here. Now we head over to the bay side of 101. So I see what you mean. This is a big, wide shoulder. Yes. Most of the people that do park will usually drop down onto the gravel portion. Officer Andrews pulls off the road to show me the exact spot where people park. And I have to admit, it's a little scary. There's a lot of traffic whizzing by. We'll actually go around this little turn here. Um, they will park their cars in the bushes, bushy area here. To try to hide? Basically. <laughs> We gaze out at the spot where the tubes we saw on the lagoon side poke out into the bay. Well, the water's flowing out towards the bay right now. It definitely looks almost like it's causing waves or something. Right. Yeah, there's there's a obvious flow of water. Um, and you can see even the birds are kind of hanging out in this area as well. It makes me wonder if they're fishing. <laughs> More than likely they are. <laughs> 
Officer Andrews says CHP tickets people here almost every day. The fine starts at $238, but could be more if you're caught doing it more than once. Wow, that's a lot. It is. But really, the rule is about safety. Officer Andrews described some of the crazy accidents he's seen on that stretch of 101, including one where a car ended up in the bay. You can fish the tubes from a boat or walk in, but you're taking your chances if you park there. Was anybody out there fishing the day that you went? No, unfortunately. Probably because I was with a policeman. So I hit up another popular fishing spot, Ocean Beach in San Francisco, to see if I could find someone who fishes the tube. Hi. Hi. (laughs) My name's Katrina. Hi. Hi, Katrina. Hi. What's your name? I'm Albert. Albert Chu. I met Albert on a crystal clear, cold morning. The beach was lined with people using fishing poles to snare Dungeness crabs. But Albert graciously took a break to talk with me. He knew all about the tubes. I only fish there once a year. That is when the herrings are there. So usually around January or February, the herrings may be spawning there. And if I heard that they're spawning there, I would go over there and try it. So you're actually fishing for the herring? Yes, yes, uh, for that particular spot. And it's good eating fish. Very healthy. Mostly, though, Albert doesn't fish the tubes. He says avoiding parking tickets takes too much work. He prefers to fish in the ocean, where the water is cleaner, something he's been doing since he moved here from Hong Kong years ago. First day I arrived, I looked around, I saw the bay, and I was excited. And, uh, and the next day I walked down, I caught a fish already. <laughs> yeah. I loved hearing how Albert got into fishing, so I kept walking down the beach to see who else I could meet. A little further down, I ran into April Kennedy, who was also snaring crabs with her husband and grandson. You got something. Fourth. That's the fourth one. One, yeah. Wow. The first three casts this morning. Wow, that's lucky. Three, three other hand. Yep, he's a gauge buster. That means the crab is big enough to keep. They're having a good morning, and everyone is in high spirits. April's been fishing for over 30 years. Um, what do you What do you like about it? Um, the relaxation, the um, excitement of the catch, just trying to reel it in, uh, and I love the ocean. As we're talking, her husband reels in yet another crab, the second since I've been talking to them. The closer I can get to the sea, the better. You all have the right spot. I'm guessing we must have. I'm going to watch and see if I can grab it before it gets all the way up and watch your feet. I'm clearly not a fisherwoman with my tennis shoes. April's wearing tall rubber boots. As I head down the beach further, I spot a group of five or six younger guys who all seem to know each other. Yeah. Oh, is everyone here together? Yeah, a lot of the, well, we're kind of on Facebook together, so a lot of, all of, all of us know each other. <laughs> we're always posting. Stephen Wong is 28 and grew up going to the beach in San Francisco. He got into fishing in middle school through a family friend. Back in the day, fishing was very different. I mean, you hear stories about people catching fishes that were like a lot bigger than they are now. You don't know if it's true or not, but you hear those stories. (laughs) Ah, yes. The biggest fish is always caught just before you came along. Wink, wink. Most of the fishermen and women I chatted with got into the sport through a friend or family member and then fell in love with it. Like Mike Rosine. My dad was an avid outdoorsman, hunter, fisherman. I wondered if you have a favorite memory of fishing with your dad. Yeah, you're going to make me teary-eyed. My dad died of Alzheimer's, 83. It's okay. You know, he had a good life. 
Chatting with folks along Ocean Beach, I kept hearing about this place, Gus's Discount Bait Shop. It's on Balboa Street, and it's basically an institution. I wanted to chat with the owner, Steph Scott, because I thought she'd have some good fishing stories. Boy, was I wrong. I don't fish. Steph's dad started the business 62 years ago as a general goods store, but customers kept asking for more fishing gear. When Steph took over from her dad, she made it all about fishing. I love fishing people. <laughs> they're what, great. What makes them different? Oh, it's like a universal, they're, they're good, good people, and they come from such dissimilar backgrounds, and they're all enthusiastic She's been selling crab pots, lures, bait, you name it, for the past 50 years. Six days a week, 10 hours a day. She noticed a lot of new faces in her store during COVID. Fishing is a fun, socially distant activity. It's the best customer base. I don't have grumpy people. I have friendly people. Is this yours? That is. You got it. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful trip. You know, even if we don't catch it. So clearly we've moved beyond Ira's question, but since you talked to all these folks, is there anything unique about fishing in the Bay Area as compared to places along the California coast? Well, yes and no. I got a lot of different answers when I asked this question. There's water everywhere, and it's all different. There's fresh water. There's brackish water. There's salt water. There's the bay. There's the ocean. It's a great variety of fish and a great variety of styles of fishing. I think in the Bay Area, it seems a little bit more accessible. A lot of people fish from shore, a lot of people fish from a pier, a jetty, and it attracts families. We have a lot of opportunities to fish, different types of fish. Pretty much, uh, you know, you could fish uh, year-round. So after all these interviews with fishermen and women, you weren't tempted to try it for yourself? Oh, I'm getting to that. Okay, so I'm standing here in the parking lot of China Beach, looking out at a beautiful morning. Sun's up. It's a little bit misty. The waves look pretty even and not too big and scary, so hopefully we'll be able to get into the water. I meet up with Hung Tran in San Francisco. He's a friend of a friend who agreed to take me crabbing. I got my fishing license and everything. We pump up two inflatable stand-up paddle boards so we can go out and drop our crab pots in deeper water. I'm just going to move the board over there, then I'll move three traps over, and then that's it. And then we're going to jump in the water. I'm going to put the boards on top here. We're decked out in wetsuits because it's cold, and we each have a couple crab pots loaded onto our boards. And then on the inside, we have um, two types of bait. We have the squid in the scent jars. We wait until a wave breaks and quickly paddle past the surf. Drop our pots and paddle back to shore to wait for the crabs to find our bait. Hung thinks 45 minutes should be enough, so I used the time to ask him how he got into fishing. Well, you know, as being a, I guess, a Vietnamese immigrant, you know, we've always had seafood growing up. You know, my dad would take us out crabbing, we'd go squidding, we'd go clamming, so it's... I've always enjoyed fresh seafood um, growing up that way, and I think it's just more in kind of, I want to say, in our blood to just go out and forage for seafood. That was up near Seattle. But Hung didn't fish much as an adult until one particular birthday about eight years ago. One day I just got a wild hair up my ass, like, let's go crabbing. (laughs) He bought a bunch of crab pots, drove down to Pacifica, and threw them off the pier there. It got caught in the pylons. (laughs) We lost all our hoops by the end of the day. We lost all our gear by the end of the day. But we had a fantastic time. He kept at it, 
honed a system, and now he often uses inflatable stand-up paddle boards like the ones we're using today. You know, when you pull up those pods, it's like pulling up a treasure pot. It's like, what, what am I going to get? You know, it's the excitement of what's in my pot and the adrenaline of just going out there, doing this thing yourself. <laughs> and there's nothing like fresh-caught crab for dinner. Hung loves steamed crab with garlic noodles, but he's got some other recipes up his sleeve, too. We do a Vietnamese crab soup. It's called um, bông riêu. It's savory, it's tomatoey, and then you have crab and pork on top. Now I'm hungry. Let's go check those pots. Yeah, just keep on pulling. There you go. When we get back out into the ocean, I find the floating buoy attached to my pot and start pulling on the line. Eventually, I start to see the pot emerge from the murky depths. It's teeming with a mix of rock crab and Dungeness beauties. That looks like a keeper. To keep the Dungeness crabs, they have to be a certain size. Every fisherman or woman I met was good about measuring them. But it's harder than it looks, as some footage from my GoPro showed. If you can't tell from my shrill shriek, that crab pinched me. So that one got away. Oh my god, what a move. Despite my wimpiness, we still hauled in enough crab for me to take three home. I cannot believe that crab got you. You know, and those suckers really hang on once they've got their claws into you. So, you know, if you go crabbing, be careful. Okay, but did you eat them? Yes, but cooking them was its own adventure. I was a little skittish after my experiences with those jumbo claws earlier. And when I got home, I had to pull them, alive and angry, from a cooler using these tiny kitchen tongs that were not up to the job. Sorry, crab. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In he goes. You sound legit scared of that crab. It was mean. (laughs) I thought it was going to climb out of the cooler and onto my kitchen floor. But Hung was right about one thing. Freshly caught crab is good. Sounds like an adventure on more than one front. Well, Katrina, thank you so much for bringing us this story. My pleasure. It was actually really fun to get out there and try it out. Big thanks to Ira Doherty for submitting this week's question. If there's something you've been wondering about, why not send it our way? Just ask over at baycurious.org. We really love hearing from you. And did you know that we answer even more of your questions in our monthly newsletter? Subscribing only takes a few seconds, and you can find that link in our show notes or at baycurious.org. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. This episode was produced by Amanda Font, Christopher Beal, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Our monthly trivia contest is just ahead. Best of luck to you. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? 
Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 